Hello, and welcome to the Life Center Podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us today at Life Center. If I haven't yet met you, my name is Tyler, and I'm part of the team here. And uh, we're thrilled that you would join with us if you're new to Life Center. Life Center is one church that meets in multiple locations with multiple languages across Pierce County. And uh, we're passionate about something important around here. We are passionate about helping people know Jesus and helping them make Jesus known. That's why we do what we do. In a moment, we're going to continue on in a series that we've been in entitled Tension. But before we do that, uh, this last Wednesday, we had the opportunity to honor some men and women. And today, I want to make sure we take that opportunity to do that collectively. And so if you are a veteran, can I invite you to stand to your feet? We want to express our thanks and our gratitude for the work that you have done in our nation. Thank you so much. We appreciate, we appreciate all that you've done to make this nation a great nation and a wonderful place uh, to live. And so today uh, we're going to continue on in a topic that we've laid out entitled tension. We've been looking at different tension points over the last number of weeks. How many of us recognize that 2020 has brought tensions? Yeah. And uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we, we dove right in. We talked about uh, Jesus on politics. How many are thankful that there's no more political tension now because of that message? No, we, we're still navigating, right? Uh, last week, if you missed it, you got to watch it. Andy shared a great message on Jesus on finances. And this week, I want to continue this discussion, and I want to spend the next few minutes talking about the idea of neighboring. We're going to look at Jesus' words on this idea of what it looks like to be the neighbors that he has called and created us to be. To kind of help set that framework, I want us to look again to Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writes to a group of believers that there's some division within their church. And in chapter 12, he's giving some practical teaching, some practical instruction on what it looks like to to love and interact with people both outside and inside the church. Look with me, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, says this, let love be genuine. You ever met somebody and they were saying that they loved you, but you knew it wasn't authentic? Authentic and love must go together. It's got to be real. He says, abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Then I love this. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that thought. Can you imagine what your family would look like, what your coworkers and the relationships with them would look like, with your neighbors, with friends, what it would look like if you actually outdid one another in showing honor? I think our world could look a little bit different. But the reality is, in, in 2020, we've, we've faced a variety of tension points. 
variety of tension points. And even as we talk about neighboring, we've seen tensions and opportunities to be the neighbors that Jesus has called and created us to be. We've seen tensions, though, haven't we? Challenges, conflicts, uh, a lack of understanding. One of the things that's been brought to the forefront of our society and our attention in America is the reality of racial injustice. See, during 2020, we've seen this time and time and time again. In fact, last spring, I was away for a few days with my family, my wife and my kids. And it was during that point that the news broke about a young man named Ahmaud Aubrey, who had gone for a run. And I remember hearing and reading this story as the news was coming in and trying to wrap my head around it, and yet there was something that struck deep within my spirit. I think it had to do with the fact that just the week before, I had gone on multiple runs through my own neighborhood, and never once was I afraid, never once was I concerned, never once did I think that potentially I could be in danger. As 2020 continued, we've seen the stories continue to happen. And there's dynamics on on all spectrums. There's tensions all around this topic and conversation. But what I love about the Word of God, listen, it does not avoid the things that we need to hear. And as the pastor of Life Center, listen, I'm not going to shy away from difficult conversations. Because Jesus wants to speak into us and and equip us to be the people that he's called and created us to be. You see, Jesus, he, he called and he still calls followers to be good neighbors. Good neighbors. When I think about the idea of being a good neighbor, I can't help but think of Mr. Rogers. Anybody else grow up watching Mr. Rogers? Uh, when, I, when I was young, this was a TV show that I would often watch. And what I loved about Mr. Rogers is he made it a habit to teach about and reveal to the kids who would watch his show what it looks like to be a good neighbor. This had an impact on me. In fact, I had people who told me over time, Tyler, you look like Mr. Rogers. Amen. And I, I don't really see it. I don't know what they're talking about. By the way, you can tell this photo is pre-COVID because I still have black hair. Um, No gray hair in that photo. That's years and years ago. But, you know, Mr. Rogers was an interesting figure. He would walk into his house, open the same song, would you be mine, could you be mine, won't you be my neighbor? My, My neighbor. What's interesting, it wasn't just a marketing scheme. It wasn't to try to increase his brand or increase his social media following. No, there was something at the core of what he did, what he taught children in order to help equip them to be good neighbors. In 1969, there was an episode. There was an episode that actually during that time period, it would have been a little bit scandalous, a little bit charged. 
Because Mr. Rogers, he, he does something that, that would have been somewhat out of bounds, according to some people. And what does he do? He, he leverages his platform and his influence to communicate what it looks like to be a good neighbor. Maybe you've seen this photo. In 1969, on his show, Mr. Rogers is in his backyard and he begins to fill up a swimming pool with cool water because that day was exceptionally hot in his neighborhood. And as he's filling up the pool and he's talking to those who are watching his show, it just so happens that Officer Clemens is walking through the neighborhood. And Mr. Rogers calls out to Officer Clemens, Officer Clemens, do you want to come and join me and, and cool off? And Officer Clemens replies, well, I, I would love to, Mr. Rogers, but I don't have a towel. And Mr. Rogers says, that's okay, you, you can share mine with me. See, what was so interesting about that dynamic is that in 1969, there was still a lot of public pools in our nation that would not allow black Americans to swim with white Americans. 1969. It's not that long ago. My, my kids think it's a long time ago. It's, it's not that long ago. But here's a man who, he, he didn't want to just kind of Talk about the idea of what it looks like to be a good neighbor. No, he, he decides to leverage his influence, leverage his platform to communicate and reveal this is what it looks like to be a good neighbor. This is what it looks like. And here's what I'm convinced of. Imagine how different our world could look if we as the church simply listened to Jesus' words and put them into practice about what it looked like to be a good neighbor. Because can I tell you, if we wait for politics to bring the solution, we're going to be waiting an awfully long time, are we not? We're going to be waiting a long time. And yet... The solution for us is to not just hear the words of Jesus, but to begin to embody. You see, Mr. Rogers' question, won't you be my neighbor? It wasn't a marketing scheme. It was something in his core that wanted to see kids live different. See, I want us to consider Jesus' words in Luke chapter 10 today. And I want us to think through, okay, how, how do these words impact our neighboring? How, how does these words that Jesus share actually influence who we are and how we live this thing out? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is approached by a religious lawyer. You ever tried to get in an argument with a lawyer? That's That's tough. He's approached by this lawyer, and yet this, this lawyer has ulterior motives. He's wanting to trap Jesus, and he asks Jesus this question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus knows what he does. He knows who he is, and he says, well, you know the scriptures. How, how do you read it? And the lawyer responds, well, I, I got to love God with everything. This is my paraphrase, and I got to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus looks at him and says, you've answered wisely. Do that, and you will live. Here's what's important for us to recognize. 
He had all the right words, but he still missed the point. I can't tell you how many times I've been guilty of this, where I can quote the right Bible verse, I can give the right data, but I miss the point. And and Jesus says, listen, if you do that, you'll live. You've answered correctly. But join me in verse 29 of Luke chapter 10. But he, speaking of this religious lawyer, desiring to justify himself. How often do we get ourselves in trouble because we want to justify ourselves? Well, I know I did something wrong, but I I know maybe I should have done more, but there's that desire, there's that necessity to try to justify our, our actions or the lack thereof. It says, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Spoiler alert, he asks the wrong question. He asks the wrong question. Jesus goes on to tell a story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and then departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest, well, this is, as the audience is listening, this is one of the religious figures. This this should be the hero of the story. So by chance, a priest was going down that road and when the priest saw him, he passed by on the other side. Goes on. So likewise, a a Levite. A Levite was somebody who worked in the temple, another religious leader, somebody who who should have been the hero of the story. A, A Levite, when he came to the place, he also saw him but passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, and by the way, when Jesus says a Samaritan, there was probably some murmuring, some grumbling in the audience. Why? Because the Jews did not like Samaritans. They weren't fully Jewish. They weren't fully Gentile. According to the Jews, they they didn't worship God correctly. And so they were kind of seen as outcasts. They were in what we could call an out group. It says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him. Now, I, I need us to capture this. All three individuals saw the priest, the Levite, and now the Samaritan. They, they all saw the man in the same condition. So what's going on here? The issue wasn't in seeing. The issue was in what Jesus says is next. This Samaritan, when he saw him, he had compassion. The issue wasn't a lack of seeing. The issue was a lack of compassion. Okay, I better sit back down. (laughs) And he went out to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of Of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then Jesus asked this question 
Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell in among robbers? And the lawyer replied, the one who showed him mercy. He can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. The the one who showed him mercy. Now, Now listen to Jesus' response. And Jesus said to him, and I believe this with all my heart, Jesus says that to him, and he's also saying it to us today. You go and do likewise. Now you go and you do likewise. Here's the tension. It it would look a lot different if Jesus ended the story in a different way. Uh, Imagine for a moment if Jesus, instead of saying, hey, go and show compassion, imagine if the moral of the story was this. So stop beating people up on the road to Jericho. If that was the point of the story, all of a sudden we could kind of sit back today and go, oh man, I've never even been to Jericho, Jesus. I don't make it a habit of punching people when they're not expecting it on the road to Jericho. So I'm good. This story has nothing to do with me. But Jesus is driving an important point home for each and every one of us. What is it? It's not just do we see the needs around us. No, when it comes to neighboring, are we moved with compassion? See, I want us to recognize something important. We can't settle for not being a bad neighbor. Jesus calls us to be a good neighbor. We we can't just stop at the level and say, well, Tyler, I don't punch people on the road to Jericho. Awesome. That's great. You might say, well, Tyler, I'm not necessarily a bad neighbor. And if you're not a bad neighbor, wonderful. Thank you. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus doesn't want us to simply stop at not being a bad neighbor. Over the last number of months in our nation, there's been a lot of conversation surrounding the idea of racial injustice. And today you may say, and and I hope that you will say this, Tyler, I'm not racist. And I would say, amen, thank you. Because we've already established a long time ago in other messages that racism is sin. Okay, there was a great spot for an amen right there. I'm gonna sit back down. We've established a long time ago, racism is sin. It it is. But notice, we we can't deflect and say, well, Tyler, that's not me. I don't do that. That's great that you don't do that. But are we good neighbors? I think that's a different question. In other words, how, how do I steward compassion that God wants to stir in my heart? How do I lean into this? We can't just settle for not being a bad neighbor. Here's the point. The priest and the Levite, they see this man and catch this, they did nothing directly to harm him. The priest didn't throw a fist. The Levite didn't throw a rock. 
They, they did nothing directly to harm him, but, but here's the point for us today. They also did nothing directly to help heal him. Though, though they didn't harm him directly, they also didn't directly engage in trying to be a part of the, the healing process, the helping process. No, instead, what did they do? They just kind of conveniently walked around the situation. If I, if I don't acknowledge it, maybe I won't have to get involved with it. See, they didn't help build a bridge, but the Samaritan, however, he didn't just settle for not being a bad neighbor. No, the Samaritan, he, he leans in. He embodied what Jesus calls us to live out in being a good neighbor. You see, the Samaritan didn't just see the pain that the man was in. He saw an opportunity to bring healing. The Samaritan didn't dismiss the pain, thinking maybe the man caused it. No, no, no. He, he saw an opportunity. The Samaritan didn't try to quote stats to relieve the responsibility or the response of the moment. No, he, he simply stepped in to be a source of healing as a good neighbor. Let, let me ask us, Life Center, are we improving our neighboring? Are we improving? Because I know, listen, there's, there's some in the midst of where we're at in 2020, we, we just sit back and we go, well, Tyler, I'm, I'm not a bad neighbor. And I would say, awesome. But are we improving as neighbors? Are we going and doing likewise like Jesus calls us to do? Are we living with compassion? Are we willing to journey? You see, the question the religious leader asked, who is my neighbor, is, is the wrong question. Why? Because he was trying to get off the hook by potentially describing some people as non-neighbors. Because if they're a non-neighbor, then I don't have to treat them neighborly. I don't, I don't have to deal with it. If they're outside of the scope, but Jesus doesn't let them off the hook that easy. See, this religious leader, he didn't want to navigate the responsibility of expanding his circle. If I have to expand it, I have to let people in. That means I have to change some things about me. Living this out, we need to remember our only hope to actually living this out is for the grace of Jesus to show up and meet us, to transform us. And by the way, I know some may be watching or maybe you're in this room and, and you feel the tension inside of you. Maybe you want to say to me what others have said to me, Tyler, just preach the gospel. Don't, don't preach the social gospel. But allow me a moment to just theologically nerd out with you. Okay? Because the, the subtle belief under that statement is that the gospel only has implications someday for heaven up there. But theologically, Jesus calls his disciples to pray, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, what? On earth, as it is in heaven. And so here's the point. Listen, this isn't a social gospel. This is us embodying the gospel. It's the gospel personified. In other words, if Jesus, by his grace, is going to reach into me, transform my life, it better impact the way that I live as a husband, as a dad, as a friend, as a coworker, as a neighbor to those who need me to show up and be a good neighbor. It needs to have impact there. 
You see, the question is not, who is my neighbor? Today, I want to give you two better questions to ask. Here's two better questions. Number one is this. Who can I be a good neighbor to? Again, the religious leader, he wanted to draw nice little lines and figure out, okay, if somebody is outside of the scope of what I have to consider a neighbor, then I don't have to be neighborly. But a better question for us to ask, I think this is the point that Jesus is trying to drive home to his listeners that day. It's a different question. Who can you be a neighbor to? And by the way, this shifts the responsibility to me, not deflecting it to others. See, when I ask the question, when I live with that question of you, who can I be a neighbor to? Every person I come in contact with, it's an opportunity to see them as a neighbor. But here's the challenge. We all deal with this thing called in-group and out-group biases. All of us. Let me prove it this way. How many of us recognize that at times the grace of Jesus comes to individuals, their lives are transformed, God's love is clearly for them. Have you ever seen this? They are called Seahawks fans. And what's interesting is you have another group of people where they, their eyes haven't been opened up to the gospel, the good news, the grace of Jesus. They're, they're lost in their brokenness. These are Steelers fans. Right? Don't, don't shoot the messenger, all right? Why do we know that? Well, John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, what's interesting, here's what can happen. You can be in an airport on the other side of the nation. If you're a Seahawks fan, you see somebody walking 100 yards away. They got a 12th man jersey on. You're like, Seahawks! You don't even know who they are. You don't even know their name. Why are you reacting like that? Because there's this assumption that they're a part of your in-group because you like the Seahawks and clearly they like the Seahawks. And then you see somebody wearing a Steelers jersey and you're like, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You know? In group, out group. And, and here's the point that Jesus is trying to drive home to us today. See, the Samaritan ended up treating somebody who was in his outgroup as though he was a part of his in-group. That's the point. We got to learn to begin to see those who are maybe outside of what we're comfortable with and say, okay, God, how do I be a neighbor to them? How do I welcome them in as though they're already a part of my in-group? Who can I be a neighbor to? Second question. How can I be a good neighbor? So it's one thing to, to wrestle through, who can I be a good neighbor to? But we have to ask the question, how is it that I actually become a good neighbor? And I think it shifts the responsibility to look at three areas in each of our lives. Actions, attitudes, and availability. Let me say it again. Actions, attitudes, and availability. See, when it comes to our actions, we have to stop and ask the question, okay, how are my actions revealing my neighboring or the lack thereof? 
When it comes to attitudes, how are my attitudes revealing a desire to to embody the compassion that Jesus himself has shown to me? Sometimes we get spiritual amnesia, friends, and we lose sight of the fact that we were in an unloving condition, and yet God still chose to pursue us. That is the gospel. So what are my attitudes saying? But then the third area is my availability. What does my availability reveal about how I am called to neighbor? No doubt the Samaritan, as he's making his journey, he he probably had other things on his to-do list that day. He probably had other things he could have spent his time and his money on, but there was something about the availability in his spirit, the compassion to embody it, to put it into action, to put it into play. This matters because people matter to God. And if people matter to God, they gotta matter to us. Whether they're in your in-group or they're in your out-group, they carry the Imago Dei, the image of God. Everybody, would you do me a favor, whether you're at home, whether you're in this room, would you just lean towards me for a second? Just lean in, lean in. Could you do that? Something happens when we change our posture. And I, I want us to do this, why? Because we can't be a good neighbor unless we're willing to lean in. Why? Well, because unless I'm willing to lean in, I'll never get my heart or my ears in a place where I can listen. See, leaning in, it it helps us to listen. And if I never lean in and I never listen, I'll never be able to love. I won't be able to do it. Why? Because you can't truly, authentically love somebody you're unwilling to listen to. Let me say that again. You can't authentically love someone you're unwilling to listen to. If you're unwilling to listen, my guess is you're probably not going to lean in. And this matters so much because in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul says we can do all the right spiritual things. We can throw crazy good church services. And if we don't have love, it's nothing. It's nothing. That's why this matters. Because Jesus isn't calling us to just settle for not being bad neighbors. No, he's, he's called us to lean in, to be proactive, to be, to be good neighbors. Good neighbors. Today, can I invite you to grab your smartphone or your tablet, whatever you have, wherever that Life Center app is for you. For those who are watching online, The team's going to put a link up. Every week at the conclusion of the message, I take some time to talk about next steps. Why do we do that? Because as we preach from Scripture, the goal is not just to give you more information. The goal of preaching is always to lead us to places of transformation. And yet we can't be transformed unless we embrace and begin to embody what Scripture is calling us to live out. So today... I have a few next steps that I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider. And then I would love for everybody, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online, I'd love for everybody to take a next step. Today, it'll take you five seconds. 
The first one is this. Maybe today is your day to say yes to Jesus. I love this story of the Good Samaritan because it reminds me of the gospel. It reminds me that I was in that broken condition and Jesus, out of his grace and his love and compassion, he found me in that broken place. He picked me up. He carried me. He paid the price so that I could have new life. See, Jesus really is the true and better neighbor. He is. Maybe today, that's your starting point. You want to know that your sin, your shame, your separation, it's been dealt with, paid in full. It starts by saying yes to Jesus, putting your trust in the work that he's done for you. Second next step is this. Maybe this week you want to take some time to reflect, but then adjust. Maybe your next step is to reflect this week and, and look at the areas of actions, attitudes, availability, and, and maybe through that time of reflecting and praying that God's going to reveal, hey, there, there's some attitudes that need to be adjusted. The, the actions are, are okay, but, but man, there just doesn't seem to be enough availability. Allow God to adjust some things in how we're doing in our neighboring. Here's the third next step. What about expanding your circle? Creating space. Expanding your circle. Aren't you thankful that God expanded his circle for us? And that's what he invites us to do as well. How do we do that? Maybe we're going to learn to, to lean in, to listen, to love a little bit better. We're going to improve our neighboring. What's your next step? Would you join me in a word of prayer right now? Jesus Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you do all things well. I pray that as we take time this week to reflect and adjust some things in our lives, as we take time this week to think about how we can expand our circle, I pray that we would grow in our neighboring. God, help us to love better. And today, listen, maybe it's your desire to take that first next step to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, can I invite you to say a simple prayer by putting your trust in Jesus? Would you repeat these words? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. And help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.